Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe something interesting has come up in your Bible reading that you'd like to discuss or uh, ask a question about. We'd love to hear from you and talk about that. Or if you have a prayer request or something going on in your life, we'd love to pray for you here on the air. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That text number again, 720-336-0897. We want to say welcome to everybody listening uh, here on Grace FM up and down the front range of Colorado and into southern Wyoming. Glad you tuned in today. Also want to say hello to everybody listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. We're so glad to be syndicated over there. And we're also syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So wherever you're tuning in from today, welcome to the program. We want to remind you that those of you listening on the East Coast and in the Tennessee area, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. But we would love for you to call in and uh, we get to talk to you on the air. And then the following week, so a week later, you get to tune in and you can listen to yourself on the radio, hear how different you sound on the radio, hear your voice, and uh, tell other people to tune in and hear it as well. So that's something you can do. Just a reminder that you're hearing it on a one-week delay on the East Coast. Also, a big hello to everybody who listens online. We know there's so many of you who tune in via the the mobile app. If you don't have that mobile app yet, you should get it. It's great. It's a way that you can listen to Bible teaching and uh, programs like this all day, every day, no matter where you're at. And even if you're out of our uh, listening range over the airwaves, you can tune in anywhere in the world with the Grace FM app. So just go to your app store, whichever one you use, Android or iTunes, you can go there and you can download the Grace FM mobile app. Just type in Grace FM and it'll pull it right up. That's a free app, and you can tune in wherever you are. Or you can go to our website, gracefm.com, and you can listen to the program. Uh, you can listen to all the programming right there in your browser live. So it's awesome. However you've tuned in today, we're glad that you are with us. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 so a few words about myself. Uh, again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I am the host of Calvary Live every Monday, but today is not Monday. It's Tuesday, and I'm hosting today, filling in for Pastor Jeff Figs from Calvary Chapel Greeley, and he's away this week, and so I am filling in for him, and yesterday was Memorial Day, so I, I was off, so I figured I'd just do it today, and um be happy to. So I love doing the show. I love getting to answer questions and talk about the Bible on the air. 
Um, my church, Whitefields Community Church, we're in Longmont, Colorado. Our church meets at the St. Vrain Memorial Building. So for those of you who are in Longmont or you're familiar with the area, you might be familiar with the St. Vrain Memorial Building. It is a large historic building in downtown Longmont, right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, right on the corner of uh, Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So just one block west of Main Street on, um, on Kaufman and Longs Peak. And so we meet there at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings for Bible study, for worship, and for fellowship. And we would love to have you join us if you're in the area. We have a great children's ministry, so your whole family can uh, join in worship at their own level. And um, we, uh, we are studying right now through Romans. We just started, this is our second week. So uh, this past Sunday was our second week in Romans. I'm just very excited to study this book with our church here. It's just been just such a relevant book, so many relevant topics uh, that are really big issues in our society today come up as we study Romans. And just this past Sunday, I was teaching um, the second part of Romans chapter 1, where he talks about how all people need the gospel. And the reason we need the gospel is because uh, God's righteous anger is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth. And it's it's really interesting because, you know, then he goes through this whole thing about what counts as ungodliness and unrighteousness. And he, he talks about issues like homosexuality. He talks about sexual impurity. He also talks about other stuff like disobeying your parents. In other words, uh, he gives this long list and shows how all of us desperately need the gospel. The gospel isn't just a nice thing to have but it is an absolute necessity in order for us to be saved. So just a really, really uh, powerful message here at the beginning of Romans. We've really enjoyed studying it these last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue through the book. We like to study through books of the Bible. So if you're in the Longmont, Colorado area, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, our website, you can go on and find directions and all kinds of good stuff. Listen to past messages. The website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And... Uh, you can also hear me here on Grace FM. I'm on every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So every weekday at 2.30 and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We have a show called Life in the Field, and you can tune in and hear those messages as well. So let's go to Michael in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Michael, welcome to the program. Oh, Pastor, how are you, sir? Doing well. What's up? I, I'll try to make this question as clear as possible. It could sound a little confusing, but I think you'll catch it. Um, I heard some preaching on the radio this morning, and I was talking about uh, before we were saved, we were under the curse of the law, and that's all we could do was to sin, and then when we became, came to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, then um, we, and we, we died with him, and we are no longer under the curse of sin. So, and the, the, the preaching was talking about... Uh, the curse of the law. We are no longer under law. And my question is this, is being under the uh, the law the same as being under under the, under the curse of sin? Um, so being under the law is being under the curse of sin. Well, no, let's put it this way. What the law does is the law reveals the sin that's in our hearts. Right, So Paul says, for example, in Romans chapter 7, he says, I would have never understood that coveting was a sin. Uh, he said, I never would have known what sin was if the Bible had not said, 
thou shalt not covet, or the law had not said thou shalt not covet. So what he says that the law does is that the law, um, so in one sense it reveals the sin that's already within us, right? And it reveals the fact that there's sin going on. The other thing is, is that it does is it also kind of piles it on. So in other words, it it adds more to it so that we realize that without redemption, without salvation, we are absolutely lost. And so we are already under the curse of sin and death. We are born in that. That's something that came about through Adam and Eve, the first human beings who lived and sinned and rebelled against God. Ever since that time, we have been under the curse of sin and death. The purpose of the law was to reveal that to us and to lead us to Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I'm just trying. I was thinking about if I, if I was to write down scriptures about about law and, and, and things like this, if there's any reference, I could use any kind of a reference to the the, 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 the curse of sin and death that a person walked in when they were not, when they did not know Christ, the Savior. That's yeah. what I was Let me give you some, trying uh, to get at. Let me give you some text to read on that subject. I'm going to give you a couple. Um, start with Romans. Start in Romans chapter 5, and then go... Uh, all the way through chapter 8. He uses that language. He talks about the curse of sin and death. And um, and he talks about being under the law and being set free from the law. So here, I'll give you a, a scripture here, very famous, well-known uh, scripture. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I, I understand how I understand how that works, uh, Pastor. I just thought the way I was listening to it, the thought came to my mind that this sounds like it could be talking about the curse of of death on us that we walked in before we were saved. Before we were saved, that came down to us from Adam. So that's why I was just wondering. Sure, and I mean, so to make that clear, we are under a curse. From Adam, I mean, ever since Adam, because we're descended from him, we're ch we're sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, and so we we bear this in our bodies and in, in our in ourselves. We bear this uh, curse of sin and death. We experience it. We see it all over the world. Now, we'll tell you this. So, to be under the law, I think that requires a little bit of qualification. Like, what does that really mean? Um, and so, I I would say this: that prior to coming to new life in Christ. The way that we related to God was in a legalistic fashion in the sense of uh, many of us were trying to earn our way before God by our good works, our good deeds, being good enough, earning it, so to say. And in Christ, of course, we're set free from that because he fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law on our behalf so that we could receive God's grace and mercy. Um, but that doesn't mean that the law has no role in our lives now. Um, I've often put it this way, like think about it in terms of what the law tells us is it tells us, you know, Paul says in Romans, for example, he says the law, the problem is not with the law itself. The law is good and perfect and true and pure. And so the, if you look at the law, you, everybody can look at the law and say, yeah, that those are good things. Our pro the problem isn't with the law itself. The problem is with our failure to live up to the law. Now, of course, Jesus met that requirement on our behalf. We don't earn God's favor or we don't earn any righteousness, righteous standing before God based on our keeping of the law. But that doesn't mean that the law should no, have no role in our lives whatsoever. 
And let me give you an example why. Um, you could put it this way. If the law tells us the things that God loves and the things that God hates, the things that bring God pleasure and the things that God bring God displeasure, then if I am a person who loves God, well, then what am I going to want to do? My, my agenda is going to now become not to bring myself pleasure, but to live for his pleasure and his glory. So my prerogative will be to please God. So then the law becomes a very useful thing to me because it tells me, well, what are the things that God delights in? And as the person who loves God and wants to uh, bring joy to the heart of God, it, it can become a playbook of sorts. So, for example, I could, uh, if I know that my wife likes, uh, let's say, if I do the dishes, okay? So if I know that that pleases my wife when I do that, it brings her happiness and joy, then I could do that. And I could do that in a sense of trying to manipulate her, right? Like there could be, if I do it in the wrong way, you know, I could be like, oh, I'm going to try and get on her good side. So I'm going to try and manipulate her into doing the thing that I want her to do. And I'm going to butter her up, so to say, by doing the dishes for her. Now that would be manipulative and wrong. But I could also do that same action, which is washing the dishes for my wife from a heart of love and wanting to just bless my wife because I know that that pleases her. And so no longer am I trying to earn her favor or manipulate her, so to say, based on that. But now what I'm doing is I'm actually, as a person who knows that I am loved by her, I do have her favor, I'm secure in that, I can say, well, now I'm going to turn and I'm going to say, now I'm going to do that same action, but I'm going to do it because I want to bless you because I love you. And I think that that's how we as as Christians also should relate to the law. I think that's one way. I think there are other ways. One of the other ways is that the law reveals to us the glory of Christ because he is the one who kept the law in all its fullness. So when I look at the law and I see my shortcoming, I shouldn't stop there. If I've stopped there, I've only done half the work, right? Like where I should go after I see my own shortcoming is to rejoice in the fact that I'm forgiven and redeemed, but also to glory in Christ that, wow, where I fell short, he did not. He kept the law in fullness, so it becomes fuel for worship. So I think that uh, the law still has a role in our lives, just um, just a different role, if that makes sense. Well, thank you, Pastor. Yeah. Appreciate the answer. Awesome. God bless you, Michael. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts on the air today, the number to call is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. It's three zero three six nine zero three thousand, and the text number is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. So seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. If you want to send us a text, and we'll get your question here on the air. Let's go to Sherry in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Sherry. Hi. Yes, sir. Welcome to the program. Um, I have a question. Um, I'm a non-believer, or I'm trying to be a believer. I haven't made crossover quite yet. Mm-hmm. And my husband was a believer. And my husband passed away in January. And he, he used to tell me that when he would, when, if you, when you die and you go to heaven, that you're not going to remember me. Like, so he's not going to remember me. Mm-hmm. And then they did a benefit for him on Saturday. And I have people telling me that are believers saying that, oh, well, he's here with us and he's, you know, looking down on us and he's, you know, and enjoying what we're doing. Which one is true? Yeah. So um, your first question, is he, so will we recognize each other in heaven? And your second I, question is related, but is it, it is uh, 
people in heaven can they you know can they observe what's happening on earth would that be correct, correct? okay yes <laughs> i'll deal with each of those and then I, I got a question for you after that okay so um okay. here's my here's my answer to that i do absolutely believe that we will recognize each other in heaven i believe that okay. we will have uh the bible would say that we have um Here's an example. It's First Corinthians, just so that um, you have a reference if you want to read it later. First Corinthians 15 talks a lot about the resurrection, meaning at the end of time, our resurrection bodies, meaning our eternal bodies. And it's it's basically says that uh, the perishable will clothe itself with the imperishable and mortal with immortality. And so uh, what that means is that we will have bodies that are different than the ones we have now. They're sometimes referred to as heavenly bodies or glorified bodies. Um, and But they will still be somehow um, recognizable. And I'll give you a couple reasons why I believe that. Um, one was that Jesus is called the first fruits, meaning kind of like uh, the 1.0. You know, I mean, he's the very first one to be uh, resurrected from the dead to eternal life. Right, So people were resurrected from the dead, but Jesus is the first one who's resurrected from the dead to eternal life, meaning that uh, you know he goes on living forever, whereas other people who were resurrected, then they, they died again. So Jesus is the first fruits of, of those resurrected from the dead to eternal life. And when Jesus was resurrected, after his resurrection, we read several accounts uh, in different uh, biblical books, the Gospels, and also in like First uh, Corinthians is another place. The Book of Acts is another place. And what happens is that people saw Jesus, and they recognized him as Jesus. Now there was one instance where they didn't recognize him right away, but then they did recognize him. And so it would seem to me that um, you know it, it's kind of like the the sense that. You know, if you die as a 95-year-old person, probably you're not going to be resurrected. Your resurrection body will probably not look like a 95-year-old body. You know, if you die as a child, you're probably not going to be in a child, an infant's body for all of eternity. And so there will be some difference in how we look, but yet it seems that people are recognizable. There are other examples. For example, that um, it says in, in Samuel, Samuel died and then he met with King Saul and uh, Saul and Samuel Saul recognized Samuel. Another one is in the Bible. We read about a, a man who went to Hades or hell and he spoke with Abraham there uh, across a great chasm where Abraham was at in a place called Abraham's bosom. That's a whole different story. But let me just explain that they recognized each other. This man recognized Abraham. And uh, Moses and Elijah, for example, we see that they appeared with Jesus and the disciples recognized them for who they were. So I do believe that we will recognize each other um, in heaven. The second question, uh, can people in heaven see what's going on here on earth? I know this. there's some debate over this, like it's disputed. I'm going to give you my opinion. I'll tell you why I believe it. My opinion is yes. I know that not everybody agrees with that, and I'd be happy to take any calls about it if anybody has a follow-up <laughs> question. But uh, here, I'll give you my reasons. I got two of them for you real quick. Uh, my reasons are Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. And here's what's happening is that he's describing, he goes on this long, in the prior chapter, so Hebrews chapter 11, the author goes on this long explanation about how the, those who have died before us in the faith. And then uh, he talks about all these people. 
And then he says in chapter 12 that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So he's, he's transitioning from talking about all the people who've gone before us in the faith. Then he talks about how we're surrounded by them. And here's what's really interesting, that if you get into kind of the wording of that and, and the Greek and all that, what you find is that he's actually creating a metaphor about the Olympic Games, if you read those two verses, verses 1 and 2. And he says that we're called to run this race that is set before us. And the, he used a particular word which was used of Olympic competition. And that idea of being surrounded, he's basically painting a picture of a stadium of people on all sides sitting in the stands cheering you on while you are running your race or competing in your event. And my my understanding of it, and I know I'm not alone in this, is that what he's explaining is that all those people who have gone before us in the faith, they're, so to say, sitting in the stands and cheering us on. Now, that by itself might not be enough reason to believe that people uh, who have passed away in the faith before us can still see us or, or can observe us, our lives here on earth. The reason, the, the thing that kind of clinches it for me, it, is makes me come down on that side of it, is in the book of Revelation, we read about John the Revelator, John the Apostle, who uh, received this revelation. And what happens there is in Revelation chapter 4, basically what happens is he describes how he was caught up to heaven. And then he uh, got to experience from heaven um, God's judgment on the earth at the end of time. And then what happens is that John's describing how he is up in heaven with a great multitude of other people who are up in heaven, and they're watching with great attention all of the events that are happening on the earth. So I think we can only speculate about that, but that's why in my speculation I come down on the side of that I do believe that people who passed on before us in the faith uh, can observe what is happening uh, on earth. Okay, thank you. Now I, I've got a question for you. You said uh, that you were um, that you were working towards becoming a believer. I just want to press a little bit on that. I'm curious. Um, maybe you could tell me a little bit of background of that, like how you came to that point, and maybe uh, what has kept you still from from taking that step across the line and putting down your yes. Sure. Um, my husband was his family was always uh, religious, mm -hmm. and mine was not. And um, he kind of broke away for a while, and um, later in his life he got into uh, a lot of trouble, and he went back to it. He uh, was rebaptized, um, I guess, rebaptized, I, I guess how you say it. Um, he was baptized. Um, he attended church regularly. He involved himself in the church. He um, uh, actually um, gave uh, introduced it to um, our older son, who is now um, uh, trying to figure out whether he would like to be become uh, a pastor um, in his life. Um, and he's um, uh, he attends Calvary Baptist Church in uh, Maryland, and that's how I was introduced to the radio station. Mm -hmm. And um, watching them. Um, and their lives change from what they used to, you know, their path was, and then how yeah. it improved. Mm -hmm. um, kind of made me interested in finding more about it. And then, um, so my husband was, um, you know, 
he would read and he would read to me and um, we would uh, he I would ask questions and he would answer them. If he didn't have an answer, he would find someone that did. And so the only reason why I haven't made that leap was because he did pass <laughs> because oh. I kind of felt like he was taken from me. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, I'm mean, very sorry have, for you. It's loss. a good good thing, but it just you know seeing how they improved. But I just haven't made that final leap um, to um, to say that I'm a believer. And and also some things that he has told me, like what why I'm calling. And another thing that he told me was that he, um, if you say those words, you know that I want. You know I, I'm not exactly how you say it, but when you ask. God and Jesus to come into your life, you can just say those words and not mean it. And it only works if you really, truly mean it. So I don't know if I mean it yet. So I don't want to say those words until I'm ready and know that I'm, I mean it. Yeah. No, that's great that you're being so honest about that. Yeah. I want to say, first of all, I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, Secondly, uh, it sounds to me like your husband uh, was a great great man and very loving and very patient and so uh, maybe God sent him into your life even and uh, for I'm sure for many reasons but perhaps this was part of it the reason was to uh, so that you two could be united forever together in heaven that is the great Christian hope is that uh, we will be reunited with those we love who died in the faith and uh, I truly hope that that is the case for you I, I think your husband was right that you can say those words and not mean them. Um, And I think that you can also, you know, I think that's very important that you mean those things. But I'll tell you another uh, thing that's really important is that Christian faith is basically believing something to the point that you're willing to do what God says. So I I used this analogy the other day in a video we did where uh, if you could imagine, uh, let's say, that you were on top of a burning building and the building's on fire and the firefighters are down below and they've got that net stretched out. Now, I think if I was... If I was gonna, if I was standing on top of that building, I would have a really, really hard time believing that it would actually work, that they would actually catch me, and that it would. I, I would just imagine every bad scenario, right? Like, I don't know if that thing can hold my weight. I don't know if it. I mean, it does it have enough room be between the ground and and where I'm gonna land? I mean, I don't know. So I, I would probably not really believe that it would work. But at some point, if I would jump off of the building and and trust that, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm going to just go for it. And I'm going to, that would actually be a, an example of biblical faith. Um, biblical faith isn't just optimism, but it's actually believing something to the point where you're willing to do what God says. And and one last thought is this, that um, there was a man who came to Jesus and Jesus said, you know, do you believe? And the man said, yes, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I think that's a really honest and uh, and praiseworthy prayer because you're being you're being truthful and you're saying you know what there's still some unanswered questions I have there's still some things that I struggle with and doubts uh, but I really I want to work through them and and I see that you're good and I wanna I wanna believe so help me in my unbelief so uh, if I could pray for you before I let you go um, I'd love to pray for you. 
Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Heavenly Father, pray for Sherry, and um, I pray for her as she has lost her husband. Lord, would you be with her? Would she sense your presence with her as she grieves? And Lord, we know that you know what it's like to lose those you love. And so, Lord, we ask that you would comfort her in this time. Lord, I also pray for Sherry as she works through these questions, as she's moving towards belief and faith in you, Lord, that uh, you would help her in her unbelief. And Lord, would you bring people into her life, I ask, that would help her answer some questions and help her down that road of faith. But I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is in her life. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would be her, her instructor and her guide and that uh, the end of all of this would be that she is reunited with her husband in eternity uh, because of what you've done for us, Jesus. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for calling, Sherry. God bless you. Right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are coming up on our mid-show break, so we are going to be back in just two minutes' time. You can call us in the meantime if you want to get on the line. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000, and we'll be back right after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Allison in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Allison. Thanks for holding. Hi. Um, I got a question. How come God let sin enter in the world? That's a really, really good question, and it's a really big question. It's a question that people have been asking and trying to figure out for a really long time. I can give you a couple a couple reasons. I'm going to give you two reasons that I think uh, answer the question. Um, and I hope that they I hope that they uh, they satisfy you. Um, but I do think they're biblical. So here's the here's the uh, first one is that God created us to be in relationship with him, to love him, and to uh, walk with him by faith. Uh, He created us to know him and to uh, live in relationship with him, like I said. And so part of that is that God, within his sovereignty, right, because God can control everything, but within his sovereignty, God allowed a sphere of, or let's say he allowed room for us to make choices. And essentially he placed a choice uh, before the first people who ever lived, and it was to trust him by faith. Uh, and he warned them. He said, you know, if you do this, the results are going to be disastrous. Don't do it. He said, basically, I'm telling you, do not do this because I love you. And um, he gave them all the options in the world, and they chose to not trust God. They chose to rebel against God. And as a result of their choice, sin and evil came into the world. Now, uh, that's one answer. So the answer is that, uh, and, you know, some people say, well, what if they hadn't? Well, I'm pretty sure that as the number of people increased, somebody eventually would have. So I think that God knew that. 
And um, I think that God knew that that was, was, I mean, obviously, God knew that that was what was going to happen. Why did he do it? I think he did it because he knew that in spite of the fact that that would happen, that he would bring redemption to the world, and ultimately the end result would be that we would that some people would live with him for eternity. Some people would receive salvation and redemption and uh, be with him for eternity. And I think that God looked at all of that and said that it was worth it. So here's the other reason I'll give you is that, like I said, I think that God knew that, look, if it hadn't been those people, if it, it would have been somebody else along the line would have eventually rebelled against him. And as a result, sin would have entered into the world and death with it, this whole curse. So why did God do that? Again, the first reason is because he knew that that was the cost of relationship with him and eternity with him. And he, he viewed it as worthwhile. Like For example, Hebrews chapter 12 says that uh, he uh that Jesus went to the cross because of the joy that was set before him. And what that joy was, what was that joy? It was you and it was me. It was the joy of the prospect that he would get to spend eternity with us uh, who are redeemed. The second reason is that something I think that doesn't get talked about enough. And that is the fact that in order for us to know God as he fully is, we have to know him as redeemer. If God is a redeemer, if God is a savior, we could never have known him as those things if uh, sin had never entered the world. And so um, I don't think that that's necessarily the main reason why God allowed it to happen. But I think it is uh, one of the, say, the, the, the good things that God has redeemed out of it. And so we can now know God as a savior and as redeemer. And here's one of the things that God says is that, uh, there's no greater love than the love of someone who would lay down their life for a friend. And and the Bible says in Romans, not only did he lay down his life for us, uh, but he laid down his life for us when we weren't even friends of his, when we were actually opposed to him and enemies of him, running from him. He laid down his life in order to make, uh, you could say, rebels and enemies into sons and daughters. And that's the, that's how we know his love is by seeing what he did for us in redemption. And so there's a sense in which we would never have known his love in the way that we do if we had not come to know him as Savior and Redeemer. And that would never have happened if sin had never come into the world. Then if that is so, then why, then why, then why did God let God let other people in the future have to suffer because of one person's sin. Unfortunately, that was uh, that was the result. That with sin came a curse of sin and death, and uh, and so many people suffering, disease, so many things. Um, you could ask the question if it's fair, um, and I think the the answer is that we live in a broken world, and and unfortunately, we live in a broken world where people suffer. And I think that from God's perspective, he, he looked at all of these things and it wasn't that he didn't care. Because if you read in the book of Genesis chapter 6, um, you can go check it out later. Genesis chapter 6, it says that God looked down on the earth and he saw all the suffering. He saw all the evil. And it says that it grieved him to the heart, which means that he was deeply saddened by it. 
and he was he was upset by it and he said it, he says there that it, he felt as if it would have been better if he would have never created anyone at all now i think that that that's describing a feeling not an actual belief that god you know now realized man i shouldn't have created anybody at all no i think that god knew this was always going to happen but this is describing a feeling that he had and my point is just to say this that god looks at this and it's not that he doesn't care. He absolutely cares. It it breaks his heart and to see us suffering. And I would just encourage you with that perspective that God absolutely cares about our suffering, but that the promise of the gospel is that in the end, you know, I- even if you have a, a, a life here on earth that's 80 years, let's say, and it's full of suffering, the hope of the Christian gospel is that you will in Christ be able to live for eternity in perfection and joy. And is that is that worth it? That human beings would have to spend some years, but then there's the prospect of living forever without pain, no more tears, no more suffering, no more of, of those sicknesses and illnesses. Uh, and God looked at it and said, yes, it's worth it. So I hope that can encourage you as you, as you wrestle through those questions. Yeah, it's just a big whole wide world with a bunch of questions that still are answered or still aren't answered. Yeah, well, I would encourage you to look up those verses and hopefully you can find some of those answers. Here's the other thing is that sometimes God doesn't always uh, answer our questions 100%, but what he tells us is, trust in me. Um, and, And what we find is that as we trust in him and we trust that he, in his character, that he's good, that he's loving, it's kind of like when your parents tell you to do something and they kind of explain to you why they don't want you to do that thing or they why, why they do want you to do that thing and you may not understand or even agree with it, but then later on, sometimes it makes sense. Um, and I think that's how it is with us and God. He's a father. He knows more than we know. He sees more than we see. He, we only see our moment in time, but he sees uh, future, eternity, past, everything. And um, and we trust in him that he's a good father. And I'll give you one last thought before I let you go. In the book of Revelation, one of the things that brings me the greatest comfort is that at the end of all times in the book of Revelation, there's this place where these people are up in heaven and they say they, they sit around the throne of God and they say to God, righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. And what that means in, in, you know, in our language today would be to say that these people got to heaven and then they, they, considering everything they had seen on the earth, people suffering, people sick, injustice, bad things happening uh, to good people, so to say. And yet when they got God's perspective on things and they, they understood things fully, then they, their conclusion was, Everything you did, God, it was absolutely right. It was absolutely fair. It was absolutely true. And so that encourages me that when I struggle with wondering, wow, why are things the way they are? Is this fair? Is this right? I know that in the end, when I get God's perspective, that that will be my conclusion, that righteous and true are all of his judgments. That's really good. I hope that helps you. Let me pray for you before I let you go. Heavenly Father, pray for Allison as she struggles with these questions that so many of us struggle with. Lord, I pray that you give her clarity. 
I pray you give her peace in her heart, and I pray you give her hope. And ultimately, thank you, Lord, that our hope for um, all of these things of evil, suffering, sickness, ending is in Jesus Christ. And thank you that that will last forever and ever. Lord, I pray that all the pe- I pray for everyone listening, Lord, that we would have that hope and that we would take hold of that promise by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Allison, God bless you. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Hey, while I've got you here, let me take the opportunity to invite you, if you're in the Longmont area or some of the surrounding towns, whether it's maybe you're in uh, Mead or uh, Frederick, Firestone, Decono, or Erie, Lafayette, uh, North Boulder, Lions, uh, Berthoud. We would love for you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. We meet at 10 a.m. in the St. Vrain Memorial Building in downtown Longmont. And um, and we would love for you to visit us and uh, worship with us. Our website for more information and directions is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can check us out. Let's go to Brian in Aurora, Colorado. Hey, Brian. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you? I'm doing great. What's up? Hey, I just want to first off thank you and the Calvary community, all you pastors, for being such great godly leaders of your of your flock. And uh, I'm in Aurora, so I've got Pastor Ed, who's looking all right. But uh, <laughs> thank you all. God bless you all. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate the encouragement. What can we do for you? Well, I I'm kind of struggling with a couple things. I uh, decided to give my two week notice um uh, about a week and a half ago at my job and um i kind of felt like maybe i didn't listen to where god was wanting me to be although i still it was the right thing to do um and i was listening to pastor ed last week and as i was contemplating whether or not i had um really given god the say on this he was talking about um how david was moving the ark and out of nowhere Oh, you're cutting out on me, Brian. I'm missing your question here. Oh, Brian, I'm missing your question. Maybe there you are. Okay, so can you tell me your question real quick, real briefly? Yeah, I'm just. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, Brian, I'm losing you. My job. Um, so I see, Brian, I'm losing you. So I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you because I see here that you uh, gave your two weeks notice at your job and you're having a, a hard time getting motivated. I'm not sure if there's any more beyond that that you wanted to share, but since you're cutting out on me, I'm going to go ahead and pray for that and um, just trust the Lord that he's going gonna, gonna to lead you and, and lead us as we pray as well. So let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Brian. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you that he... Um, the, the he's wanting to follow you. And you know it's not an easy decision to quit a job and to give your notice. And I don't know all the details of that, Lord, but I know that you do. And I know that you care very much about Brian and his job and, and if he has uh, other people who depend on him. Lord, we pray for provision for him. We pray that you'd provide for him. Lord, we also pray that you would help him uh, be motivated. Lord, motivated to do the things that you want him to do. Uh, I know that, uh, Lord, you have given us your love to motivate us. You've given us your love shown 
shown for us in the gospel to motivate us. And I pray that, Lord, you would truly, your spirit would motivate Brian to take the next steps in his life, whether that's regarding a job or whether it's regarding his relationship with you. Lord, we just ask for so much blessing on his life and direction as he seeks the next step um, for his job and for his life. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for calling in, Brian. The number to call, if anyone else would like to get on, we've got about 15 minutes left in the show. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Joan in Inglewood, Colorado. Hi, Joan. Hi. Uh, I just had a, a question on the lady that you were just talking to that asked, uh, why God allowed sin to come into the world. Sure. And wasn't it actually in reality, I think it's in the book of Ezekiel, where he's talking about the first the king of Tyre and then the prince of Tyre. Wasn't it actually Satan that caused sin to come into the world? So, uh, yes, but still. So let's put it this way. The first sin ever was committed by Satan. Uh, Lucifer, which means light, actually, means uh, the word Lucifer means light. And Lucifer was an angel, and you're right, it is talked about there in the Old Testament um, in regard to the king of Tyre and that being related to Satan and an explanation for how Satan fell from glory. And Satan's sin, as you might remember from that passage, was that he was he, he wanted to be equal with God. He did not. Uh, he couldn't handle the fact that even though he was an exalted angel, he couldn't handle the fact that he was not equal with God, and so he essentially tried to usurp that position and to elevate himself to the position of God. That was his sin. as a sin of pride. It was the sin of trying to, uh, you know, bring God to his level or bring himself to God's level. And in that rebellion, there were many people who went with him. And this actually gets to a, a text message that has come in in the meantime. Somebody texted and asked, do angels have free will? So I think I can knock both these out at one time. The answer would be yes. And we see that displayed in the fact that there were angels who chose to follow Lucifer in his rebellion. And so uh, Lucifer uh, cast down from there. He becomes uh, Satan, the deceiver, the liar, and the devil, right? And so... We see that he tempted Adam and Eve to sin. But I think this is also a very important point. Although that first sin came about um, from Lucifer and then he tempted Adam and Eve to sin, uh, still the first human sin, when sin comes into the world, is, um, is credited to the man and the woman themselves. And it's credited specifically to Adam. And so... I think that's important for us to see that, yes, Lucifer sinned, but let's put it this way. If Satan tempts you to sin and you give in to it, uh, God holds you responsible for that sin. Now, of course, there's redemption in Jesus, and I want everyone to never miss that point. But uh, we are responsible for the sins that we commit. Right. Um, but like in... Um the first chapter of Jeremiah where it says, you know, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Uh, didn't all souls come from heaven? Well, I don't, I wouldn't go that far. That actually gets into a whole different uh, doctrinal thing saying where do souls come from? Do souls uh, have pre-existence before they are born? I don't believe that they do. I believe that a soul 
God creates a soul. You see, like, for example, Adam, God breathing his life into Adam. And so that's what happens with a new life, is that God uh, gives that person a soul. But I do not believe in the pre-existence of souls um, before that. But do you think then uh, the uh, first chapter of Jeremiah is talking about that? I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Yeah, I get the. Yeah. I guess that gets to the question of what. At what point does a soul come into existence? Another question is, uh, what is he? Is he alluding to some form of pre-existence? I don't believe he is. I, I think his point is, I've known you uh, since before you were even formed. Meaning that I think that can be a, a sense in which a soul uh, is brought into existence at the point. Let's say. I'm not sure when that is, but it, let's say for sake of argument, at the point of conception, the soul comes into being, and then as God forms him, I think that that's, those two things are not uh, exclusive of each other. Hmm. Uh, I, I was just wondering, because, you know, it says that um, Satan um, had a third of uh, the angels following him, and I wondered if those were the souls that uh, came to Earth and essentially caused a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely an argument for that, you know, talking about how uh, fallen angels came to Earth and, uh, like, for example, in Genesis chapter 6, that the, uh, the talking about how angels came to Earth and procreated with the... Uh, with the daughters of men. There's a whole argument about if that was the case or not, or what that passage is talking about. Um, I don't think that that's uh, what caused sin on the earth, though. I do not believe that uh, sin was, that the first sin, let's say, in the human race was caused by a fallen angel. I think it's very clear that it was caused by Adam and Eve. Uh, human beings made in the image of God, formed by God. God breathed life into them, and then they chose to rebel against him. And that that brought sin and the curse of sin into the earth. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for your call. All right. God bless you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have maybe time for one more question before the end of the show. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. In the meantime, let's go over to our text line um, and see what texts have come in. Uh, one person asked this, Nick, uh, may I ask you, what is your view on Christians seeking help from a Christian psychologist? What does the Bible say? And I'm I'm uh, learning they're helping and getting me to understand more about my pain and my life. Uh, it's a very touchy subject, and it's certainly one that not all Christians see eye to eye on. There, you have a kind of a range where some Christians would say that, you know, psychology, uh, what the word means, is the study of the psyche or the study of the soul. And therefore, you know, we have everything we need for life and godliness in God's word. So therefore, why would we need uh, somebody from outside to use, let's say, the the teachings of the world to inform us as children of the light we should be taking all of our um, advice counseling all those things from the Bible and, uh, and on the other hand you have other, 
yeah, I guess those are really the two perspectives. On the other hand, you have the people who would say, hey, look, these people are studying, they're doing research, you know, research and development over time is, is good for us. Why not just glean all the best things that we can from every area of uh, study? The thing with psychology that's interesting is that a lot of modern psychology is based off of the basis of a Freudian or Jungian uh, psychology. Who, these are two people who are decidedly not Christians. They're two people who um, had some very strange views as well that a lot of their stuff is based on. Here's the thing that I think a lot of uh, people in this debate, uh, let's say on the anti-psychology side, uh, don't often recognize. It's important to recognize that psychology is not monolithic, meaning that there are different theories of psychology, and there are many different theories of psychology and approaches to psychology. Many of them contradict each other. And so concepts of like human nature, life struggles, health, treatment, um, they can, there's a, there's a lot of conflicting views out there about psychology. So my advice to you is you need to meet with whatever counselor you're going to go to and find out where they stand before you maybe enter into a counseling relationship with them. Um, because uh, there's a sense in which there's some psychology, which is really just the study of human behavior, right? And, and so that's not going to be getting into all the Freudian and Jungian things, but saying, hey, we should, you know, take use of, or, you know, put to use some of the study of human behavior that's been done over time or, or stuff like uh, bi biology in the mind, right? It, it, talking about, uh, you know, how do, how do traumas and things like that affect biology in the mind? And so we should, or let's say developmental disruptions, another word that they'll use. And so I don't think it would be wise for us to uh, to totally dismiss those things. But here's the thing that I found with a lot of psychology is that um, psychology, apart from biblical counseling, is oftentimes good at um, identifying problems or causes of problems. Uh, they'll put a, you know, they're able to categorize things sometimes and help you understand why you're having certain uh, reactions, stuff like that. Like you're saying, this person that you're talking to is helping you understand your pain. Um, I think that's often good at that, but that's where the biblical counseling comes in. And this is why the, the biblical part is so absolutely important and key to this is because the Bible is going to actually give you solutions for those things uh, and not just um, leave you with some kind of maybe reasons for why you feel the way you feel, but it's actually going to be able to give you a way forward and it's going to be able to give you God's way. The other thing is I think that, as I said, you know, uh, there's lots of different views on psychology, many of them conflicting, it's not monolithic. You want to make sure if you're talking to a Christian counselor, and that's why a lot of Christian counselors don't use the word psychology because uh, it comes with a lot of baggage, but a lot of Christian counselors, you're going to want to make sure that even their, their views on humanity and all of those things are shaped by uh, the Bible. And so that's why I would recommend Christian counselors. And there are, there's a lot of information online and different uh, accrediting organizations that accredit um, biblical counselors. And so I would really encourage you to uh, look into biblical counseling and find somebody who's a an excellent uh, biblical and Christian counselor uh, who can help you with some of those things you're struggling with. I certainly do think that counseling is a good thing, and but it it needs to always be in harmony with the Bible, never in contradiction to it. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, definitely a big one that many people ask. So thank you for that question. You're listening to Calvary Live. We are now in the last few minutes of our program today. We have uh, Ed in Brighton, Colorado. Let's see if we can uh, talk to Ed before the end of the show. Hi, Ed. Welcome to the program. Hi. 
Ed, I've got two minutes. Do you think that we've got enough time? Well, I hope so. I'm going to make it quick. Um, It's about the Holy Spirit. Can you receive the Holy Spirit if you've never spoken tongues? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, so my, my answer is, first of all, yes. And answer number two is, let me rephrase your question to kind of represent one of the commonly held views out there by some uh, circles, and that is that if you don't speak in tongues, then that means that you have never received the Holy Spirit. Where I right. would point you to is uh, 1 Corinthians 14, and he goes in this whole thing, or I'm going to have you read, actually, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. And in right. those sections, it deals with these things specifically. And really the answer that he gives there is he says, he asks this phrase. It's a rhetorical question. And the question is this. Um, does everyone speak in tongues? And the answer he's implying is no. Not everyone speaks in tongue, just as uh, everyone, not everyone has every other gift. And I think that's really important for us to see that uh, these are gifts. And he says in in, um, chapter 12 that these gifts are distributed by the Spirit as he wills. So I do believe that, uh, you know, speaking in tongues is a gift. It is a gift which has a particular use. That use is it's the only gift which uh, exists for personal edification rather than edifying others. Um, But I do not believe that... um, Everyone necessarily has this gift. I think that he makes that point very clear when he asks the question, do all speak in tongues? He's implying the answer, no. And right. uh, and so the other part is, is it the only sign of being filled with the Spirit? No, I don't believe it is. I do believe you can receive the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. Um, and I think that you know there are many other fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned in the Scriptures that we should pay attention to, for example, in Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Right, right. I've read, I've read that uh, passage in 1 Corinthians, and it was by Paul, correct, who wrote the Corinthians? Correct. Hey, I'm, i got about 45 more seconds, just a heads up. Uh, okay, and I, I, but I just, I mean, that's the way I understand it, but then I've heard from different people that, you know, if you don't speak in tongues, you haven't necessarily received the Holy Spirit, but Ed, I gotta let you go, and I'm gonna okay. tell you um, that we gotta stick with what the Bible says, and and right. I think the Bible makes that answer very clear. God bless okay, you. Thanks. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie. I'll be with you again next Monday, and tune in every day, four to five p.m. for Calvary Live. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.